The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Matt Liner, and you're listening to Reign of Troy Radio. Reign of Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Get Michael Castillo on the phone. <laughs> Scrap, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Oh, I can't believe USB is five and seven and not going to a ball. Oh. Alright Trojan fans, turn up the volume. It's time for Reign of Troy Radio. Here's your host, Michael Castillo. Hello everybody, welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 316, coming to you on Tuesday, June 11th. We're going to talk about the latest in USC football, including the Coliseum getting yet another new name, and so much more, including Phil Steele and Athlon picking their Pac-12 picks. We're going to get into that and answer your listener questions here on this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, and I don't... Tune in. I can't do... the. the, the we're leaving this one in. <laughs> We've just done it like six times in a row. I can't say it without saying iTunes. Apple Apple Podcast has ruined the intro to Radio Troy Radio. It has. It has. Anyways, our phone number is 213-373-1872. Our email address is Troy at fansite.com. Send us your questions. Send us your ad inquiries. Send us whatever you want to send us. That's our email address. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Elisa Deratola. Hello. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. It is episode 316 of Reign of Troy Radio, the uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin episode. I, I don't get it. You you don't get it. I don't I don't get it. Stone I, I I know who Stone Cold Steve Austin is. I don't like wrestling. I think wrestling is dumb. I I, I still get it. I don't. How do you care, like care for wrestling? And I don't get. it. <laughs> Me neither, but like I still know that the 316 is Stone Cold's thing. Is it? What is it? It's the thing that he Is it like a move does, that he does? Wears. I don't know. <laughs> the wrestling fans that listen to this podcast are sitting there rolling their eyes. Yeah. I, ge- I genuinely I, I don't I don't know. 316 is is the Bible verse to me. So. Shrug. Okay. All right. We're just going to roll with it. This has been the, the weirdest beginning of <laughs> In, in the heat of the moment, you just got to roll with it. So this is yeah, this is what happens when it's the middle of June. It's mm-hmm. absurdly hot. Yeah, uh, it's it's absurdly hot where I am, and it's more absurdly hot where you are. It's going to so. be a hundred and ten in Phoenix on Wednesday. Thankfully, Wednesday is the day I'm leaving to go to Nashville, where it's going to be humid, but at least not a hundred and ten. 
yeah, it, it it hit a hundred. It hit triple digits. Uh, in this 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 midweek kind of deal and uh, early week kind of deal, and I'm I'm not coping very well with it. So I I don't know what it was. Just something about me not being prepared for June 10th to be the day when it hit triple digits. I like I feel like I was expecting it to be a little bit longer until I had to go and deal with this kind of heat. So the the I I feel very whiny. Like I feel very just like It is whiny. It is exceedingly yeah. whiny. Yeah. Yeah. Especially you, you in the presence off of with Cheez-Its and milk, I'm sure. <laughs> I actually do have a box of Cheez-Its, but okay, yeah, don't no get milk. any ideas. Don't get yeah. any ideas for sure. Um this episode should be an interesting one. Uh but it's a double feature if you're a Patreon subscriber because we're also dropping our superstitions episode. I feel like we've talked about it forever, and you're probably thinking, wait, didn't you say we were going to drop that last week? Yeah, we did. We recorded it last week. We had a little bit of technical audio stuff, so we had to re-record part of it. Uh, so it is finally dropping now over on Patreon, so you can go out and find it on Patreon now. We'll also throw it up on the free side of things next month at some point when Alicia's on vacation. That's going to be the plan, but... Uh, you can, it's just a sample of what we do over on Patreon, patreon.com slash reign of Troy. Uh, Alicia, I know you did a second and short last week along with a, uh, couple of throwbacks recently. Yeah. Second and short covering the news as it happened later in the week. And then, uh, the throwbacks from last week were about CR Roberts, who was, uh, a USC fullback in 1956, who sort of had a, a crowning moment against racism against Texas in, in that year. Uh, which is one of those, uh, you know, a decade or so before Sam Bam Cunningham did it with Alabama, uh, C.R. Roberts did it to Texas, which is a really interesting and, and uh, uh, cool story, even though it's also dealing with some really negative things. But uh, ultimately, rising above is a good thing to tell. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying doing these uh, these throwbacks on uh, on both RainerTroy.com and on the Patreon, where I'm getting a little bit deeper into the research and stories behind those behind those uh yeah tales yeah for sure patreon.com slash reign of troy is where you can subscribe again and we just got a new shipment of stickers so we're sending those out as well if you subscribe at the 555 or 10 dollar levels you get a sticker so if we haven't sent you your sticker yet we're about to send your sticker we're getting through those and send them out yeah my uh i'm 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 starting to do some hand stretches already because of writing out names and addresses and notes and all that kind of stuff it's gonna be a little bit of a marathon do do the hand stretch and then Come into a claw and then stretch again and then back into a claw like that. I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. Well, in between each one, maybe do a nice little like full finger extension just to keep it fresh. Yeah. As long as you don't uh, pan out like Ray McKigney, I think you'll be fine. Uh, But let's get into this episode and talk about USC football and the Coliseum up next. Alicia, the Coliseum has yet another new name. Uh, it was going to be the United Airlines Memorial Coliseum, 
when USC and United Airlines announced a 16-year deal last year. But lo and behold, both sides are going back on that, and they've got a new deal. USC announced last week, at the end of last week, and this is from their press release, quote, the University of Southern California and United Airlines announced a new agreement to name the field at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Under this 10-year deal commencing in August 2019, the field at this historic landmark, memorial to World War veterans and the home of the USC Trojans, will be referred to as United Airlines Field at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Alicia, this is clearly a response to uh, the the uproar that came out about, what, two months ago or so, um, where several people were upset that the the name of the Coliseum was going to be changing because the Coliseum was built as a war memorial to World War One veterans. What do you, what, what's your thoughts here? Um, I, I have I have mixed feelings on this. Uh, the first feeling is oh good, because I I think it ever you know it's in everybody's best interest for the LA Memorial Coliseum to stay the LA Memorial Coliseum. Um. Uh, but at the same time, I was very uh, like I I was willing to accept the sort of corporate naming rights because it meant somewhere in the area of seventy million dollars going to USC to make USC football better, uh, whether that be make the Coliseum better or fund things around the football program, whatever it was. Seventy million dollars to me, perfectly fine to do a name change. Um, so my concern with this thing is if you are changing from United Airlines Memorial Coliseum to the United Airlines field at the LA Memorial Coliseum, what that means is that United is obligated to pay a lot less money for, for, for the naming rights. And uh, it hasn't come out exactly what the new deal is. Obviously they've, they've gone down six years down to 10 years. So you're chopping off some money there, uh, not getting the name on the front. Uh, of the peristyle is definitely going to chop some money off of there. So, you know, that like when I think of it that way, I'm like, eh, is this the best business decision? Meh. But then at the same time, I also it's not my job to think about it in the business sense. And, you know, not having the 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 peristyle restored and also getting to enjoy the front of it without having to see United Airlines. Sure. I'm happy. Like I, it works. It works. I I like I said I just I don't quite know how I feel about it because I'm I just I I'm having this back and forth debating myself. Yeah, I think that the the part where I'm a little bewildered, I guess, is like I, I mentioned before that I don't understand why it took a year for people to to, you know, speak out uh, about the about the name of the Coliseum being against the Coliseum as a war memorial. Uh, that should have happened from the get-go. It shouldn't have taken a year for that to become a movement. At the same time, this is the name that we talked about for a long time that should have always been the name. Uh, two years ago, when the rumors first came out that it was going to be United, right? That we said, well, what it should be in a perfect world is United Airlines Field at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum because what does that mean? It means nobody will ever say that name ever. Yeah, Husky well, Stadium way. is is Alaska Airlines Field at Husky Stadium. Have you ever said that in your life? No, you always will only say Husky Stadium. The Wikipedia entry 
on Husky Stadium says Husky Stadium. It doesn't say American Airlines Field at Husky Stadium. Nobody said Kablam Field or whatever the hell it was for Cal's Memorial Stadium. Like, no one ever says those things. Right, but those deals were significantly less than the $69 million that USC was supposed to be getting from United Airlines. So that's sort of where the... You know where where the the counterpoint to all of this is. I think I think my best counterpoint to this is if people wanted to keep the memorial thing. Like I don't think that I don't think that United Airlines Memorial Coliseum was was being disrespectful to World War One veterans. Um, I I personally had really come to terms with my preference for if they just make it the United Memorial Coliseum. No one would have. I I feel like you couldn't have very many gripes about it. Of dropping the word airlines. Yeah, and if and if you had to drop a you know a couple million dollars to drop the the airlines, then that I could then that you know best of both worlds. I think you're still making a lot of money, and you're having a a more palatable name for the for the Coliseum. But I guess it all comes back to like I can't. I can't even get that worked up about it because, like you said, whether or not they named it the, you know, f- f- who who can like the Keys on Van Nuys Memorial Coliseum, like I, we're still all going to call it the Coliseum. Like I don't even call it the Memorial Coliseum; I call it the Coliseum. And when I'm trying to piss you off, I call it the Collie. So uh, I I guess. It doesn't it doesn't really matter to me. And I think that's part of why I keep coming back to. Yeah, but the 70 million dollars did. <laughs> it didn't matter to me. So, yeah. So I've looked in our archives on Twitter. May 18th, 2017. You said the United Memorial Coliseum I can handle. The United Airlines Memorial Coliseum. No, thanks. You said this on May 18th. 2017, two years yep. ago, and I quote retweeted this and said, 20 bucks, it's United Airlines Field at the LA Memorial Coliseum. Where's my freaking 20 bucks, baby? Give me my 20 bucks. Uh, it's, it's not the same deal, because what we were talking about was a $69 million deal <laughs> for 16 years. <laughs> Fair. By the way, the, the first person to ever tweet United Airlines Field at the LA Col- Memorial Coliseum, B underscore 808 night at 309 on May 18th 2017 i tweeted it at wait no i tweeted at 1 36 p.m i was the on, first person on, may, on earth on may 18th on may 18th yes didn't 2017 you say, didn't you, you say the other guy tweeted on may 17th no may 18th oh so there at, you go at 309 i was the first person in the world to tweet it there you go yeah i want my 20 bucks well i, I never agreed if, to if give i get 20 that 20 bucks i mean United Airlines has more money now that they've are agreeing to pledge less to USC, so they can give me that twenty bucks. Well, there you go. Take it up. Take it up with United, Michael. Take it up with yeah. them. All right. All right. Uh, let's talk about. I'm a, I'm a Southwest kind of person. Me too. Me too. Um, let's let's talk about the other big news from USC at the end of last week. Matt Fink coming back to USC. Um, the Trojans are transfer portal champions. And by the way, we are now selling shirts 
that say transfer portal <laughs> champions. Uh, you can get it at swag.fansided.com and just search transfer portal champions and you can find it. Go get the shirt because they're awesome. And you, by the way, if, you, if you're subscribed to our Patreon, you get a 25% off coupon for that. Um, Patreon.com slash reign of Troy. But the point is, SE is transfer portal champions in part because... Not only is Valus Jones coming back, not only are they getting Brew McCoy, not only are they getting Chris Steele, not only did they get Drew Richmond, they're getting Matt Fink back too. Where does Matt Fink rank among all these transfer portal victories for you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I put him ahead of Hunter Eccles, but behind Greg Johnson, who is behind the other four guys, uh, Valus Jones, Drew Richmond... Brew McCoy and Chris Steele. So he's the the second to last, second to least important. Yeah, and and that's like it feels. I'm not trying to do any disrespect to anybody for like importance or whatever, but Matt Fink is a is a I think a luxury player for USC at this point. Assuming as I think we both are that J T Daniels will be the starting quarterback uh, for USC in 2019, and assuming that if it's not J T Daniels, then Jack Sears could do the job too. What Matt Fink gives you is a, you know, potential dark horse starter candidate or a veteran backup who could step in in case of injury and and all that kind of stuff. So, like, Greg Johnson is at a position of extreme need for USC. Uh, Drew Richmond is a potential, you know, day one starter. Uh, Valus Jones, we both agree, will have a a huge role in in this new air raid offense. Brew McCoy is an incredible talent who down the line will be huge for USC. And Chris Steele is another guy at a position of of, of extreme need. So the context of the other people are, are probably playing into it more. But like I don't want to undersell Matt Fink, the importance of him coming back. I think it is quite important for USC because we were talking when he decided to transfer. The USC was now on a knife's edge of if Jack Sears lost the starting job and then decided to transfer, you there's a there's a universe where you go into the 2019 season with JT Daniels and Keaton Slovis as your only only scholarship quarterbacks and that's not good. Right. Yeah, this is this is big for SC because now if one of those guys does transfer, you're still okay. You're, or gets injured. I mean Or gets injured. Yeah, you you're you're still okay for sure. And I I you know, no disrespect to Matt Fink because I think he can definitely win this job. I, I don't think any none of those quarterbacks have obviously separated themselves enough to say that they are the true starter or anything. But Matt Fink is your prototypical number two. And, and that's why he was yeah. number two on the depth chart last year. I, I think he's a solid backup. He's the, he's a solid number two that you can feel very comfortable with. Um, he's not the guy you want to be your number one. If he you have to settle for him to be number one because the other two guys are inconsistent or the other two guys haven't you know gone above and beyond, I think you'll be fine. But in a in the grand scheme of things, he's a very good number two to have. Yeah, and and he's that's your the Matt important Castle. thing. Yeah, it, it, pretty much. I mean, you think about it, in the NFL, like there's a whole category of guys like that who are the backup quarterbacks who don't necessarily you you would never think of them as starters, but you'd be very comfortable with that, having them be number two on your depth chart because they're they're generally guys who are. Uh, no nonsense, who are good in the locker room and who uh, will just put their head down and do what they need to do. And I think that's what what USC can look at. Matt Fink and potentially hope that he can be that figure where it's not the end of the world if he has to go in a game. But 
he's also probably not your starter. Yeah, it's a good way of uh, of putting it. Uh, let's move on and talking about starters. Let's talk about the season starter, USC and Fresno State. Week one, August 31st, 81 days from today. USC is favored by 11 over the Bulldogs, according to betonline.ag, which is an offshore sportsbook. Uh, so don't put too much stock into this. This isn't Vegas, but 11 points over Fresno State. Does that seem in the ballpark for you? Yeah, it's somewhere in there. I, I think if USC were coming off of a better season, it might be a full two touchdowns, you know, 14, 15 points. But because USC is coming off five and seven, Fresno State is coming off 11 and two, I believe. Or maybe I think they were 12 and two. Um, so the, the, that gap there is a little bit smaller, smaller than you would think of it, it being in previous years. Like, I think USC was like a 17-point favorite over Fresno State in the uh, 2014, and they blew them away by quite a bit more than that. So um, it will be an interesting little litmus test for USC in that in that opening game with the new air raid. And, and it, it is funny to me the way that that parallels the Sark 2014, because so much of that offseason was all about, well, what is this new offense going to look like under Sark? And I think that's going to be very much the same thing here. And if USC can have the same results as that happened, then that'll be very good. But I don't think 11 points is necessarily that. Like, USC needs to cover that line, right? In the grand scheme of things, yes. Um, I think if SC wins by 10 points, I think you take it, though. Oh, you take any win. <laughs> but just for, like, the sanity of, like, the fan base going into that tough stretch to right. start the season. See, ten, I don't know if a 10-point win is going to cut it. No, you see, I, I, I beg to differ. So uh, the way I look at USC's early season, you just need to start off on the right foot. Don't look bad against Fresno State. If you uh, win and you win, you win by 10 points and you, you, do you you're okay. Do you know, you're, you're okay. Have, you, have you, get you through forgotten it. what USC Hold fans on. are like, Michael? Hold you on. think that they will think that USC looked good in a 10-point win over Fresno State? Well, this is, again, this is a good <laughs> Fresno State team that won the Mountain West last year, right? He's coached by Jeff yeah, Tedford. But, yeah, no, but, he, but they're hold replacing on, hear me out, hear me most out, hear me of out. their starting lineup. Here, here, I, will get in, I will get into that. Hold, hold, hear me out. I think, realistically, SC just needs to win that game by more than a touchdown. You win that game more, by more than a touchdown, do your head turning against Stanford and BYU in Wing 2 and 3. And get you ready for week four, which is the biggest game of the year at home against Utah on a Friday night. Right. You're talking wins. I mean, if USC wins, I don't care what happens. If USC strings together four or five wins in a row, then no one's going to give a crap about how what they did against right. Fresno State. I'm just talking about my sanity for the week before the Stanford game. I would, I, I think anything less than a 20-point win and USC fans will be insufferable. I don't necessarily think so. I, I really, I think the bar is so low. Have you seen her comments? Yeah, that's my point. <laughs> that's my point. At a twenty point win, and 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 our comments there, are still going to be there's negative. People who as all are up. expecting SC to lose this game. I don't think yeah. a ten point win is just going to be immediately written off as terrible. No, no, no. A ten point win will be. See, we told you that this is a team that USC should be beating by twenty points. You are you are underestimating uh, the, the state I, of the USC I get fan emails base. of every single comment we get from Rain of Troy. Yeah. Dot com. Yeah. And er how Hold every on. single one of them is. Remember, 
incredibly like oppressively negative yeah you remember when going into the 2017 season when usc was playing a really really good western michigan sc was coming off as a season in which they finished number three in the country the expectations were sky high yeah and they didn't look great in that game and ended up winning this is the five and seven usc team no, like, but uh, the, see, you're taking it as though USC fans will be reasonable and lower their expectations. All they'll say is, see, we were right. Fire Clay Hilton. Like the, if a 10 point win over Fresno State will be will be ammunition for the fi- Fire Clay I Hilton Brigade. I patently disagree. There will be booze at the Coliseum if USC wins by 10 points. I guarantee Are you. Kidding you. Me? you think 10 po- a 10 point win over Fresno State will satisfy USC fans? Yeah. You think they'll be like, oh, yeah, at least we got that. No, they'll read it as, oh, crap, Sanford's going to kick our butts next week. I I think, by the way, I think you can beat Fresno State by 10 points and still look good. I don't think you can. I I think if you don't beat Fresno State by 20 points, USC fans will take that as a you failed. Because, again, you are out of your mind right now. No, I'm t- uh, you you don't understand the psychology of USC fans is what no, we're learning right now. No, I get it, now. but I also get that people are overhyping Fresno State based on last year's performance. No, but that, and no, this is you, a team that is 129th uh, 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 in returning production. Yes, they should be. They should be Fresno State by 17 points. You are acting But when they beat like, them by 10, I think that that's totally no, fine to be completely you, okay with it. You are acting like USC fans will look at things reasonably. Just like when USC beat Western Michigan, what were we saying? And they're saying, man, you you need to give credit to this Western Michigan team. They're actually pretty that decent. Team all had this kind of cachet. stuff. This Fresno State team has the same cachet. They're no, not. I'm talking get... about that USC team had cachet. So, so, so all all it will add to is the negativity of USC can't even beat Fresno State oh, by boy. two touchdowns. All right, send us your tweets right now. You're listening to us talk about this. Send us your tweets. If USC wins by 10 and doesn't will, cover Will USC this, fans be satisfied? Will USC fans be satisfied? Let us know. Let us know your I'm thoughts. Even, I'm, I'm, even, I'm ready to put up a poll on Twitter as to, to, to settle this before we'll, we'll, we even finish we'll, this episode. We, we will put up a poll on Tuesday and go vote in it or go tweet us. Give us your phone calls, 213-373-1872. Your emails, randomtroitfans.com, your anything. Let us know what you think because I'm telling you right now, I think most people gladly take ten point a ten point <laughs> win over Fresno State and then <laughs> no. like worry about Stanford the following week. No, 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 no. I think you're out of your mind with this. You, I don't think you realize how you many people some, you sweet are, summer are, child. I don't think you realize how many people are so down on this team that the, the people I, I think there's who think, some people who would be impressed by a 10-point win. No, no, no. You think the people who think that USC is going to lose to Fresno State will be satisfied with a 10-point win over Fresno State. That is, that is the height no, of delusion. I, I don't actually think that. But I'm, the way that people are talking about this SC team is if they are the worst team in the history of college football. Yeah. You would almost a ten think point, they could a be. A 10-point win over Fresno State reinforces that perception. It doesn't help it. If it was Kent State, I would agree with you. This is Fresno State. A Fresno State team that's replacing 8 of 11 starters on offense. Again, the average USC fan doesn't know that they're replacing that many the starters. The average USC fan only knows that they're Fresno State and they're a Mountain West school. Let us know your thoughts. <laughs> Settle this argument for us, please. 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 Uh, anyways, uh, let's get into talking about Phil Steele and Athlon up next. All 
All right, Alicia, let's get into college football preview season. Starting to talk about Phil Steele and Athlon and their previews. I'm super excited for preview season. Uh, I'm going on a vacation this week. So I'm going to make sure I buy both a Phil Steele and a Lindy's for my vacation. So I have reading material. What do you think? I like the idea. I'll say that every year I say I'm going to actually read these college football previews and then I never do. So good luck. I just had this conversation recently and I don't, this, this might be the most embarrassing thing I'll ever admit on this program, but I used to do so much reading in a certain room of the house before <laughs> I had a smartphone. And then I swear I used to read every like Athlon or Street and Smith's and all those Phil Steele. I'd get them all. I, I'd read them every single day. And then I got a smartphone and I'm like, I, now I can watch YouTube and play Tetris. Yeah. <laughs> Smartphones are the downfall of, our, of our society. I know. So I need to get back into reading um, Phil Steele and Athlon and all them. Um, our pal Kyle Kensing is... Uh, got a cover story in Lindy, so I want to buy uh, Lindy's and read his story there too. So, yeah, good. Got, yeah. got to support. Got to support the, the the team, Kyle. Yeah, uh, let's talk about Phil Steele first. Uh, we'll we'll talk about both of them. The preseason All Pac-12 team, uh, aka teams that don't matter because half these guys won't even have good seasons, and then half the the guys that are on this list will have great seasons, and we'll look back and say, how did these guys miss these guys? Well, start with Phil Steele. He has four USC Trojans as first-teamers, wide receiver Michael Pittman, defensive lineman Jay Tufele, punt returner Tyler Bonds, and long snapper Damon Johnson. Alicia, if you were asked for first-teamers, uh, would those be the four that you would have guessed if, if you were told that there were four that Phil Steele picked? Well, Damon Johnson definitely wouldn't have gotten a guess, but that's mostly because I didn't realize that Phil, Phil Steele picked a first team Pac-12. I don't know snapper. how you. How do you decide? Like, I don't get it. If, if you never hear Damon Johnson's name, that makes him good, but it also makes him impossible to rank. Like, I. I good the for only, Damon Johnson. Yeah, good for Damon Johnson. The only thing I can think of is like Phil. Phil Steele must talk to people, and like maybe he like talked to John Baxter, and John Baxter was like, "No, Damon Johnson. The 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 he's the dude." Or something like that. Like I, I, I got, I got no clue. Yeah, I got no uh, clue. Athlon has two first teamers, Michael Pittman and Jay Tufele. But uh, what do you think about Michael Pittman and Jay Tufele making those uh, those teams on both ends? Well, Michael Pittman is a shoe in for sure, no question. If there was, if you told me I had to pick one player to be on any preseason All Pac-12 team, it would definitely be Michael Pittman. It would be him over Amonra, really. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. See, um, I view them equally. I do not, but so I think and, it's a coin flip for me. I I don't. I'm not trying to to slight Amon Ra or anything like that. But Michael Pittman is the senior. Um, he's I I just I think he's the he's the shoe in there. See, I think uh, Amon Ra is going to have 30 more catches than Michael. Well, Pittman. no, I think Amon Ra is going to be incredibly productive. But I think that if I was voting uh, preseason All Pac-12, I would I would bank more on Michael Pittman, even though Amon Ra St. Brown certainly could make an argument and he's a second teamer for for Phil Steele so he definitely got the recognition there. Um J2 Fele I think is interesting because of all of USC's defensive linemen I think he has the best that I think he has the highest ceiling 
And I think that he is the guy who could really flash and will have the plays that we'll get on, you know, highlight reels and that kind of thing. Uh, but he's not a sure thing. So uh, it's uh, it's interesting to me that he ended up on both of the first-team All-Pac-12 uh, for, for Phil Steele and Athlon because uh, that's just sort of clear that the hype is is, is up there. Uh, but he's not a sure thing. I, I, I think, you know, I'm not – I think he will have a very good season. Would I guarantee the way that I could guarantee you that Michael Pittman will be first team all pack 12 come December. I couldn't necessarily guarantee it about J2 Valley by comparison. Fair enough. I, I think I would agree with that. I, I think J2 Valley has all the, the talent in the world to be a first teamer. And I think that he definitely is on that path. I, yeah, I just don't know that I would throw a million dollars on it or anything. The, the interesting thing for me is the wide receivers. We mentioned Michael Pittman. Uh, we mentioned Amara St. Brown. Amara is a second teamer by Phil Steele. He's not even a fourth teamer by Athlon. Interestingly enough, Tyler Vons isn't even a fourth teamer by Phil Steele, but he's a second teamer by Athlon. Yeah, I, I would definitely have Amara in one of the, you know, four teams if I was making these these uh these teams myself uh, I would definitely have Amon Ra over Tyler Vons just because Tyler is just too inconsistent at this point I just don't know what I'm getting from him week to week what makes a lot of sense is Tyler Vons as the punt returner and he's first team for Steele and second team for Athlon and I went in and looked at some of the numbers from last year he had the second best um yards per return in the Pac-12, and I think Trent Irwin from Stanford was number one, and he's graduated. So uh, he, you know, Tyler Vons is the top returning punt returner from the conference last year, uh, and so yeah, I think he's, I think he is set up to have a, a pretty solid uh, year as a as a return man. But as a receiver, I, I'm much more certain of him being productive as a return man than as a receiver relative to Pittman and, and Amon Ross St. Brown, because I'll pencil him in right now as USC's third leading receiver. Yeah, I think that the thing for SC is they have so many different receivers that it, it's hard to say what the true ranking is going to be at the end of the year because right. I I think it's very possible that Amon Ra has the most catches and Vaughn's has the most yards, but Pittman has the most touchdowns. Something like that is very possible. Yeah, exactly. And and in an, in this air raid offense, I think we're expecting uh, production to go up, but we also don't necessarily have a sense of how is that production going to uh, going to level out between the the whole receiving core is everyone going to end up with 600 yards and no one stands out enough to get an all pack 12 first team that's possible because uh, you that's could have five receivers b- between Pittman, Vaughn's, Amon-Ra, Devin Williams and Valus Jones you could have you know each of them splitting splitting the 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 production and none of them shining enough to to get that kind of recognition so or you could end up having two of them that are just going off with 1500 yards each so you know we we don't know how this offense is going to operate on a statistical level and that will be one of the interesting things to to track uh, when the season comes yeah you mentioned if everyone gets 600 yards may it be difficult for them to stand out I think that's what's going to happen with USC's running backs. I, I, I think it's very realistic that Stephen Carr, by Malapai, en- ends up not being on one of these teams at the end of the year because they split reps enough, uh, along with with uh, with Marquis Stepp and maybe Keenan Christian as well. But I don't know that I would put them, put, that I would omit them in my preseason All Pac-12 team. 
And yet I'm looking at Phil Steele. He doesn't have either Carr or Vavai Malapai uh, as one of his eight running backs. Now, I look at this one of two ways. Again, at the end of the year, predicting forward, I don't necessarily think that one of them will be in there because they'll split reps and won't have the production. Number two, in terms of absolute ability, I think either one of them absolutely could be in uh, be in there ahead of Max Borgie at Washington State or C.J. Verdell at Oregon. Yeah, totally. I think Stephen Carr on potential. Like, for instance, Phil Steele puts J. Tufele in there on potential. Uh, right. He also puts Drake Jackson on his fourth team, which we'll talk about in a second, on complete potential. So, like, you can't tell me that you couldn't put Stephen Carr in there on potential. Now, the the, the first, second, and half of the third team nods are pretty unquestioned, right? Like, you know, Benjamin, J.J. Taylor, Jamar Jefferson, Zach Moss, and, and uh, Joshua Kelly – you can have no debate 100 percent. those are the five best running backs in the conference yeah yeah. so you are really like fighting over scraps when it comes to the 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 last three slots that are available in there and i don't think there are any particularly great like can't have you can't leave them out kind of guys uh in that group but just on the potential alone, Stephen Carr, I would I would give him the nod. You you guys all know how much I love Vimalapai, so I would definitely give him the nod too. But I understand why he why he wouldn't. I don't get think that you can have of, both of them in there for sure. No, I'm no, I'm, I'm I'm acknowledging that there, Vi is not of the profile of player that would be included on this kind of thing. But Stephen Carr absolutely is. Right. Yeah, that's that's a good way of looking at it. I would say. Uh, let's talk about defense because you did mention. Um, an interesting nugget here. Drake Jackson is a fourth teamer, according to Phil Steele, but there's no Christian Rector. Uh, meanwhile, over at Athlon, uh, the third team All Pac 12 preseason has both Christian Rector and Marlon Tuipolotu. What gives? Uh, in the article I wrote on Randatroy.com, I posited that it's possible that Phil Steele. That this is an oversight. Like, I am more comfortable with believing that this is an oversight. That Christian Rector isn't in one of the four All Pac twelve preseason teams. And I just want to jump in here, and because I believe you're saying the reason you say that is not because he's omitted; it's because Drake Jackson is in there in his place, right? Yes. Yeah, because I don't think that like it's a crime not to have Christian Rector there. But it's weird to have him out, but Drake Jackson in over him. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, we could talk to a, uh, uh, I don't know, a Washington State fan who tells us that uh, Lamont McDougal is, you know, the best thing since sliced bread and absolutely deserves to be on there. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's entirely possible. But I can tell you, as somebody who watched spring camp, that Drake Jackson is great. But he's not in there ahead of Chris, Christian Rector. I'm sorry. Christian Rector had twice as many great days of practice in spring camp than Drake Jackson had. And Christian Rector has actually put together a midseason All-American level uh, 2017 performance and was USC's second leading uh, player in terms of tackles for loss and sacks last year and was the only source of pass rush for USC when once Port Augustine was gone. 
So, Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You, you can't tell me that Drake Jackson is going to be in your all pack 12 predict predictions and Christian Rector isn't, I've got to believe it's an oversight. If it's not an oversight, then that is a, a snub of epic proportions if you're going to put it relative to Drake Jackson. There's just, relative there's just no to Drake way. Drake Jackson, yes. I, I think leaving him out is not, I don't think he's, uh, yes, I think he would, I, I think he, having him as a third teamer as Athlon does make sense. probably but, fair. But yeah. I, I don't think it's an epic a snub of epic proportions to leave him off. It is if you're going to put in Drake Jackson. Yeah, I, I agree in that in that comparative comparative sense. That's the um, thing. Whenever you're doing these kinds of things, uh, what I try to do to to keep myself honest, because you and I could I could nominate Vi Malapai and just say you know, he's great. But I always try to think of if I'm going to say that somebody got snubbed and deserves to be in there, then I need to be comfortable taking somebody out. Like for instance, right. when it comes to running backs, you and I both agree. We can take out Max Borgie, and I'm comfortable swapping him out with Stephen Carr. On that, in that defensive line group, I am one thousand percent telling you 
Christian Rector should absolutely be swapped out with Drake Jackson. No question in my mind. That's fair. That's definitely fair. By the way, I looked up Max Borgie's stats. Maybe we're we're completely wrong. Was he legit? He caught oh. fifty three passes last year as a as a as a running back. Yeah, but Stephen Carr could just as like. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm just okay. We're we're not the smartest people in the in the world no. here. No, but uh, no, but I I will I will point out. You know, St- Stephen Carr is a fourth teamer in Athlon, so it's, it's not like we're being crazy here. For sure, as far as uh, saying that Stephen Carr could be included in this group. Yeah, I I, I still want to talk about defense here and talk about uh, Phil Steele saying that uh, he sees Palier Naoteote and Talano Hufanga both as second teamers on defense. I think if if for USC's sake, if that ends up being the case at the end of the year things will have gone right for USC's defense. I agree, especially if we're also penciling in Jay Tufele as a first-teamer. Yeah. Then things have gone very, very right for USC. Um, I, I, I think I think EA Naoteote and, and Talano Hufanga are both... If you wanted to peg players on USC's defense on potential alone, those guys are... I would feel very confident. Very confident. And the only thing that would give me pause about Talano Hufanga is just, you know, he missed time Health, because yeah. of injury. So I sure. can't guarantee that he's not injury prone. I don't think he is injury prone, but I can't tell you he's not injury prone at this point. So, right. Well, I'd uh, be more comfortable to say in the IPM is injury prone. Yeah. But yeah. I don't like throwing the word injury prone out there because I don't, I don't think it's an actual thing. Well, especially Unless for a guy that broke injury. his collarbone. Yeah. Mind yeah. you, I, wasn't it a collarbone both times for IPM? No, it was a, it was a shoulder a shoulder separation separation the first time. Yes, yeah. that is Fair a bigger enough. that is a yeah. bigger uh, more nagging kind of thing. But no, Hafanga was so good uh, as a freshman that you got to expect that when if he's given full time starting job in this coming season, he's gonna he's gonna do a pretty decent job. And we all know that EA now Teote is an All American in the making. So yeah, uh, let's move on to the season predictions portion of this. Uh, Phil Steele has USC to finish second in the South behind Utah, ahead of both ASU and UCLA. Athlon has SC to finish third in the South with a 6-6 six and six record. College Football News has the Trojans at nine wins. Yeah, I think that Steele is probably closer to what I think the season will look like than Athlon. Uh, Athlon is really banking on UCLA making a huge, huge boost up. And I think they have Utah winning the South and then UCLA coming second. Um, I I would be interested. Phil, Phil still doesn't give uh, season records, but I would be interested to know what he thinks USC's record will be in finishing second behind Utah because he's pretty positive about USC in terms of his – he has them on, on his um, – uh, stock up sort of watch list where he thinks they're going to so be they're not they're not stock neutral they, they are not stock neutral no he thinks they're going to be the sixth most most improved team in the country this coming year i mean when you go five and seven it's you, you should be on yeah. the most improved list yeah yeah but he uh he i think was making a little bit of the point of what, what i've been talking about with notre dame in the four and eight season and you always pointed out after that four and eight season that just statistically, it didn't make any sense. That team should have won more than four games. And it's not the same for USC with the five and seven, but there are statistical variances that you look at and Phil Steele points this out. You know, 
USC will likely create more turnovers this year. USC will likely have this, that, and the other thing go go more right for them this year. So I think Steele is pretty bullish on USC, uh, but obviously it's just to, to the tune of being second in the South, which I think is fair, uh, because if you're second in the South, that means that you were challenging for the South. And if you're USC, that's a minimum requirement. Yeah, I th- I think that, you know, I mean, obviously we're, we're going to get into more specifics and when we get into like August and whatnot. But I think that if I had to guess right now on how the South finishes, I pick Utah at number one. And I think that's a very safe, easy pick to, to say Utah is number one, right? Yeah. And of all the teams... Besides Utah, SC is the one that I'm most comfortable betting on. I don't necessarily think that it's a sure thing that SC turns it around in 2019, but I think it's more likely that they finish second than UCLA or ASU or Arizona or Colorado, mostly because I don't trust those teams either, and I trust them slightly less, partially because of SC's talent, partially because I like the changes that SC is, has had in the offseason season. And I think that they're trending upward maybe a little bit sharper than the other schools. Mind you, they still need to prove it because they lost the last three games last year and they finished five and seven and all that stuff. They, they need to prove it because, yeah, there's reasons to buy into UCLA. There, there's reasons to buy into ASU. I just, I don't know that I want to buy into them more than I want to buy into SC. And the way I see it now, if you put a gun to my head, I say that SC is eight and four. And finishes second. Yeah, uh, the, the the problem is that everything is possible when it comes to USC. A, a, and and you're right when you say that USC has to prove, like we can be, Steel can be bullish and we can be bullish about what USC could achieve, but ultimately they they have to go out there and prove it. But I don't necessarily think that I, that I'm bullish on SC. It's mostly that I don't trust anyone in the South. Yeah. Oh no. no I I think like Athlon is bullish on UCLA, and I think that's potentially a, a big misstep because I don't trust UCLA one second and I trust Colorado and ASU and Arizona even less. So like, I guess, yeah, maybe you are phrasing it right where as much as we don't trust USC, <laughs> you can at least trust USC's talent Like in, 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 in the long run, like you can always, it's not the worst thing in the world. For instance, USC was so talented that in a disaster of a season, they still won five games. I know that's a weird way to phrase it. Yeah, it's a weird way to put it. By the way, I'm I'm looking at the Bill Connolly stuff. So Notre Dame went four and eight in 2016, but according to the adjusted score margin uh, that Bill Connolly puts out at Football Study Hall, Notre Dame should have gone eight and four in 2016. And that goes into what we, we've talked about before, that they were just, they lost games in which, I don't know how they lost games. Like, they lost the Navy, a game in which they had a 67% win expectancy, right, in, in 2016. SC is not much different at all in 2018. Uh, by the adjusted score margin, SC should have gone 7-5 and five last year. And we've talked about this before. They should have beaten Cal. They should have beaten ASU. And when you look at the adjusted score margin from Bill Connolly, you see that. Um, SC's adjusted score margin against Cal should have been a four-point win. Against ASU, it should have been a five-point win, 4.8 points. Against Texas, SC lost that game by 23 points. The adjusted score margin is negative 
0.7. Yeah. So by the numbers, they should have only lost by a point. Yeah, that was a weird game. So, like, I... I think that there's some a lot of similarities between 2016 Notre Dame and 2018 USC, and Notre Dame bounced back for nine wins in 2017. So I th- I, I think that you know looking at five and seven, I think SC was better than five and seven, but they also got to five and seven for a reason, and they didn't do anything to prevent themselves from getting to five and seven. And there's a million reasons to worry about USC going into this season. I still think that they can just be a slight bit better and get to 8 and 4 because they should have been 7 and 5 last year. And if they should have been 7 and 5 last year, then going to 8 and 4 this year isn't a huge leap at all. Well, I mean, you could even make the argument they don't even have to be a slight bit better sure. to get to 8 and 4. They the could... problem is that the schedule is much harder though because yeah. they don't get Oregon State. Yeah. They get Washington and Oregon. That makes it a little bit more difficult. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I I just I I I don't want to be super critical of any of the previews when it comes to USC because as we've discussed it is so hard to nail down exactly what it is that this team is going to do that you know th- there's so many variables here. I just like I keep going back to one of the things that we talked about when we first saw the Athlon 6 and 6 thing is is just like of all of the records that USC might have in 2019 i feel like 6 and 6 might be the least likely i mean maybe 12 and 0 is the least likely but sure. like 6 12 and, and 6 12 and 0 is, and 12 yeah yeah like 6 and 6 is right up there with the most unlikely just because i think that the wheels are either going to fall off hard or USC's talent is going to carry it to an 8 and 4 record yeah, the other thing is, you know, I think you can you can look at it and say that, you know, the first half of SC schedule is difficult and that SC could go like 2 and 4 in the first 6 games and turn it around and still win 6 or 7 games. I think that's 100% possible. But I also think you have to factor in the impact of going 2 and 4 to start. Like if you start 2 and 4, if you start the season out 0 and 3 or 1 and 4 or whatever the hell it is, then Helton's getting fired and then how does that affect the team? Like how how is SC going to rebound with with John Baxter as their interim head coach <laughs> or like That's I don't that's know. the USC way, Michael. Can I blame John Baxter for this? I don't know. We'll, we'll have to find out. Uh, but let's get to our listener questions and open up the mailbag up next. You've got mail. All right, Alicia, let's start with a text message we got from Greg in Woodland Hills. Which game from last year would you be most excited to rewatch, and which game would you most hate rewatching? Can we just uh, agree that the Utah game is the most hate rewatching? Uh, like, it has to be, right? It's either that or Cal. Uh, I. This is, this is, I, I don't know. Do I want to rewatch the Arizona game? Eh. Like in real life? Do, does that, does anyone really want to rewatch that game? I, I By the way, I think the answer for most rewatch is very simple. It's ASU. Because the ASU game, we talked about it before. There's a 15 minute stretch in which SC's doing all of the things you want them to do. 
and it's they're fun and they're enjoyable. They're they're an entertaining team to watch in that game. It's a game that they should have won. Um, they they had a game plan for Jack Sears that was within his skill set. Everything kind of worked for about fifteen minutes. That was kind of perfect. Outside of that fifteen minutes, the game was kind of in shambles at at times. But they still should have been able to pull it out. So that's easily the the game that that you would be most excited to rewatch. But most hate rewatching is difficult because there's so many options. Like I, I don't do. Like would, I don't want to watch you, the Cal game ever. That's like, what I'm saying. Like Cal and Utah have to be up there, right? Utah at least Stanford has, the in- has to be up there too. Utah at least has the intrigue of if you rewatch Utah, you get to rewatch the the J two Fele touchdown. You get to rewatch yeah. the Michael Pittman touchdown, and mm-hmm. then you also get a look at Matt Fink and like. It's not like that's at least there's some some intrigue there. The Cal game is just pure, like oh, everything about it, everything about it's just awful. Yeah, it's not a game that you want to be, you know, watch snappily or anything. But let's go to a tweet from Daniel Cohen who says, if Aaron Osmus can improve any player on either side of the ball, who would you like to see? come back stronger huh um hmm andrew Voorhees. that i was I, I was going back and forth between offensive line or defensive line andrew Voorhees is a really good answer mm-hmm. i might go with, i think you can make an argument for tyler vaughn's too oh that's a good one no i i was gonna go with um like like brandon peely or something like that where like okay if you could just harness that that athleticism and that you could, body. You could maybe make an argument for like a John Houston. I don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Actually that's a real that's really, really good. Yeah. I, I think it's an interesting question because there's so many different answers that you could see in a bunch of different ways. Um I'd like to see what Tyler Vaughn's could do if he added a little bit more muscle, though I don't know if he could carry a little bit more muscle. Uh, given his his wiry frame, um, but it, it'd be interesting. I I think. Uh, let's go to a tweet from Jack Hellier. Who says if you had power over assigning jersey numbers to every player, what would you like to see those players in? Example: EA gets fifty five, etc., and five is in play. Well, yeah. The, the the easy answer there is EA would be number fifty five. No question. So I'm going to say no to that. No? Hear me out. Explain. I said last year. I know. Let me let me explain. I said last year that after the Colorado game, I said he absolutely earned the 55. And I still believe that. I also think it behooves SC not to give it to him and leave it open for Justin Flo. Even if Justin Flo never wears it, it's there and it's a potential recruiting carrot. I am so tired of the 55 not being worn. So no. am I. I I'm 100% with you. I am, trust me, I am with you, but I think that it, you need everything possible to go out and get Justin Flo. If the thought of the 55 gives him a quarter of a percent of an inkling chance more to pick SC, it might be worth it just to leave it open. Nah, nah. I just, I just go with, I run with it. I give it, I give the 55 to, to EA. I'm not totally against it. I, I just think that I kind of like the idea of it open for Justin I'm just Flo, trying to think of maybe who I'm, else. Maybe I'm nuts. Nah, I just, um, whatever. Um, I can't, I I just want it. I just want it. EA, no, no player has, I feel like I have been more confident 
will do that jersey proud than EA. So I just do it. Just give it just give it to him. So I would swap numbers between Devin Williams and Valus Jones. Give Valus Jones the two and give Devin Williams the one. You know Devin what? Williams I like that because profile wise, I agree. Like I feel like Devin Williams would fit the one better. Yeah. He's your he's your Mike Williams. He's your um he's your Darius Rogers. He's yeah. your Patrick Turner. He's not a Steve Smith or Robert Woods. Yeah, slot guys. Yeah. He he's not one of those. Yeah, yeah. Give him the one and give Bayless Jones the two. Yeah, I like it. I like yeah, it. That, that's that's the other thing I would definitely do. Um which reminds me, when I play Madden, I, I think that the people I'm in this Madden link with with our friends from Traveler Hits Thursdays and and a couple of their other friends. They might think that I'm nuts because I go in there and I change everybody's numbers <laughs> back to like college numbers. So I'm playing with the Packers and I gave Blake Martinez number four at linebacker. So it looks weird to have like Brett Favre's number playing linebacker, but that's what he wore in St- at Stanford. I feel like he has to wear number four. <laughs> I have Robert Woods. I had to give him number two. He had to. You definitely have to. Uh, let's go to a tweet from Sal of Troy. What's the timeline of when the Collie uh, Coliseum needs to be completed? The Rams have a preseason game in in August, so that's the timeline, I believe. Yeah, the Rams play the Broncos at the Coliseum on August twenty fourth, so that is a week before the Fresno State game. Uh, but there's also a salute to Troy that I believe is the week before that, or a few days before that. So um, they want it mostly done by then. Yeah, I mean, and I don't I don't know if there's any other events like soccer or anything, but the Rams preseason date um, is August 24th, and they only have one home game this year in preseason because uh, they're traveling around for the preseason a little bit too. So, yeah, that that kind of helps them out a little bit to take away one of those preseason games, give them a little bit extra time. Uh, let's get a tweet from Zyandy. I'm wondering if it is realistic for USC to kick off at the new Rams stadium in the future considering they have difficulties to schedule home and home series with quality opponents. I think there will be good teams willing to play there, although it's like a home game for USC. So there's two ways to look at this. Number one, uh, take it to the bank. SC will play their games there in 2028. Because of the Olympics, uh, everything that came out you know, last year or whenever the LA got the Olympics said that it would be six months the Coliseum would be unusable before and after the Olympics. So that means the 2028 season is not going to be at the Coliseum. It's either going to be at the Rose Bowl or the stadium in Inglewood or StubHub or sorry, what what is it now? The Dig? The the Dig, Dignity Health Park. Yeah, it's not going to be a Dignity Health Park. It's going to be at the Rose Bowl or at the stadium in Inglewood, most likely the stadium in Inglewood. But uh, in terms of having like a one-off game early on in the season, like SC is scheduled in 2020 uh, at Jerry World, yeah, I think that that's super likely. We know they're getting the LA Bowl. Um, that's basically going to be the old Vegas Bowl, moving over to the LA Bowl, which is going to be you know with the fifth team out of the Pac-12 or whatever against the Mountain West champion. So that's going to be a thing. But yeah, the, the, there is going to be a chance for someone to pony up some cash, whether it's Stan Kroenke or whether whoever it is, and have a college football game there. 
and I think it it would be interesting to to have a game there where SC's playing every once in a while, like Georgia plays, you know, in Atlanta or Alabama plays in Atlanta or whatnot. But wouldn't it kind of suck if Clemson came to LA and they came and played in Inglewood instead of the Coliseum? That kind of suck. Yeah, here's my here's my argument against this idea is uh, USC's new scheduling philosophy. They've just laid it out, right? So they want to have seven home games at the Coliseum, specifically the newly renovated Coliseum. Three of three or four years, seven home games, and then the fourth year they want to do a one-off. Yeah. But they want to do a one. Remember, this is while they're also not scheduling big home and homes. So that fourth year one-off needs to be somewhere that is in Los Angeles. So that it's a trip. Um, at least that's in my opinion, I think just the way that the philosophy reads to me is that they want to do go to Arlington, go to, you know, somewhere random, Vegas, go to Vegas, um, Houston, it, it, Atlanta. It, it wouldn't make a t- like it would it would make a ton of sense in the logistical side of like if they if they if they did like the the uh, what the, the Advocare Classic or whatever it is that they call that that game in Arlington. Right. If they were going to do something like that in Los Angeles, that would make a lot of sense, but not so much sense for USC in the sense in in the fact of if you're going to play in that game, you might as well just host the game at the Coliseum. So I have a different opinion here. Uh, I, 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 it depends what they value. Do they value money or do they value that game as a recruiting tool? Uh, if it's a recruiting tool slash a gift for the fans, then yeah, going to play in the state of Texas is more important than than staying at home in, in Inglewood. But I think the reality is that it's a payday. They're okay with playing one game every four years away from the Coliseum because they're going to get paid as if it's a home game. And so I think that, you know, your idea of just making a home and home instead doesn't work because if they're going to play Florida um, in a home and home, they will not make any money for the road game. No, but that's my no. I I was saying they're not doing home and homes anymore. Right. So you're not going to go to Gainesville. Instead, you're going to go to Vegas or Arlington or whatever. But you could big... absolutely have that game in L.A. if the L.A. game paid enough. And, and, right, and but those my... games are about money and not necessarily recruiting. Right. But for instance, if you're USC and you get your pick of the litter, which you have to think you will because USC is a draw, why would you take the money from the L.A. game when you can take the money from the AT&T Stadium game? Because it's probably more advantageous to play that game at home in front of your home crowd. Uh, I don't know. I think it depends I, on the payout. I, I think just, it depends on the opponent. Agree, and depends on the situation. I agree. But I don't, that money, I don't think money the will LA rule games all. are like out of the equation here. No, money will rule all. I just don't think the LA games make as much sense in reality as they do on paper. I, I disagree. I, I, I think Vegas makes the most sense. Yes. Because Vegas would, would pay money and it would be a trip. But I absolutely think that you might get better opponents playing in L.A. Um, you don't think Alabama would want to play a one-off game in L.A. when they can recruit L.A. kids? Absolutely. So, I, I, th- I, I think it's definitely possible. Um, but, yeah, 2028, there will be at least six home games at the new Ram Stadium more than likely. But let's take one quick break and then we'll come right back to finish this up because we've got a big question from our pal Alex Polk that's going to take some thinking. It's a, it's a good one. We'll, we'll be right back. 
All right, Alicia, let's get to this question from Alex. He says, Alicia picks an all-USC offense, offensive lineman included, that she's the quarterback for that's going to take on an all-USC defense that Michael picks and has to play either inside linebacker or strong safety for. And whose team wins the game? Hmm. This is good. Okay. Um, this he says is, we can flip it afterwards, too. This is the point where I explain that I am very, very bad at throwing a football. So my offense will have to be geared towards running the ball. <laughs> I was really hoping you weren't going to take this strategy because that's what my strategy was going to be. Yeah. So um, first things first, I probably put, I don't know, let's say Sam Baker. Uh, what's my, my offensive line will be Sam Baker. I'll, I'll go Anthony Munoz. And uh, there's too many to choose from. <laughs> Ron Yeri, uh, okay. Uh, guards, guards. Who are my wait, guards? Wait, wait. So, so who's your left tackle? Munoz or Larry or, or Yeri, whichever one I feel like. It. So Yeri and Munoz are your tackles. Are my tackles? Okay, so your guards. Who are your guards? Yeah, I don't even know. Um, I could actually just go weird and put Yeri and Munoz at guard and then throw Matt Khalil and Tyron Smith at tackle. Wow. You're just going full beef. I'm going full beef. Actually, I like that. I like that front line. And who's your center? I already said Sam Baker. Sam Baker's going to be your center? Yeah. Okay. That's weird. Who would you? Well, you can give your center later. Okay. I'd pick a center that has been a center before. Sam Baker was... Who am am I getting... Am I thinking of Ryan Khalil? You must be. I must be thinking of Ryan Khalil. I'm... Okay. It is 11.30 at night, guys. See what happens when you have Cheez-Its and and milk? Like, your your brain... (laughs) You start losing brain cells. Clearly. Clearly. Okay. Ryan Khalil at center. That's fine. At wide receiver, I'm going Mike Williams and Keyshawn Johnson as my outside guys. Mm-hmm. I'm throwing Marquis. No, no, no. I'm throwing Juju Smith-Schuster in the slot. Okay. Because I want him as a tough physical blocking presence for my running okay. offense. Okay. Uh, at tight end, I'm going. I'm oh, fine. I'm just gonna go with Fred Davis. That's that's easy. Fred Davis to tight end. And now I need a running back. I think. Huh. I guess I'll go. I guess I'll go Marcus Allen. You can't go wrong with Marcus okay. Allen. All right, here's my defense. I go a 4-4. Okay. So four linebackers, four defensive uh, defensive linemen. Um, I'm going one corner and one, two safeties. One corner, oh, two safeties to, to, to defend. Well, you are one of the two safeties or one of the, one of the, are you the fourth linebacker? I'm going to be one of the, one of the linebackers. Yes. One okay. of the inside linebackers. Okay. So my defensive line, uh, my defensive ends are going to be low jack. And Kenichi Udeze. Okay. My defensive tackles are Leonard Williams and Cedric Ellis. My outside linebackers, on one side, I've got Sewer Cravens. On the other side, I've got Matt Krutigood. Two guys who are great against stopping the damn run. I like that Sewer Cravens pick, too, because that's a third safety on the field for you. Thank you. My other linebacker inside next to me, Chris Claiborne. The two safeties, Troy Polamalu and Kevin Ellison. Two run stoppers. And the one corner is going to be a Dory who can run and chase down anybody who gets through. 
I'm winning this game. I don't think so. You think you're going to be able so. to run on that defense? I'm going to be able to. You're going to be able to run up against a, a, a middle. You have Sam Baker, who's never taken no, a snap in his Ryan life. No, I said Ryan Khalil. Okay. Ryan oh, Khalil okay, at center, fine. Munoz and Yeri and Smith. Your guards and- are not nimble. Your guards are not nimble, and they're going to they be going up be against nimble. Leonard Williams and Cedric Ellis. They don't need to be nimble. Leonard Williams and Cedric Ellis are, are are great linemen, but they're not two of the great linemen, two of the greatest linemen in the history of football. I think I win. Also, I think I win. also, the way that you've set up your defense means that me throwing the ball with chest passes to to Fred Davis is actually a really viable strategy all of a sudden. Because you don't have enough guys to cover my passing options now. You, I you don't, need... but I don't think that you're going to throw the ball. I can I'm... attempt to throw the ball. If I if I toss up the ball and you're telling me that Adore Jackson is going to beat Mike Williams or Keyshawn Johnson on jump balls every play... Then I By think the you, time you've you have got to something throw coming a, for you. Your little flutter ball to them, they're going to get tackled. Yeah, I just need to get a few yards at a time. Keep the ball. Like, no, no I, I, I'm i actually pretty confident win- in my team. No, my defense is holding you down 100%. No. No. Let us know. Let, tweet us at Red of Troy. Send us your emails and your texts and all that stuff. Let us know who you think. If my defense would shut your offense down. Now, let's talk about my offense. Because, my, again, my offense is going to be better than your offense. So, are we saying that I can pick players that you picked or no? I don't see why not. Left tackle is going to be Tony Baselli. Right tackle is going to be uh, Anthony Munoz. Left guard is uh, Bruce Matthews. Right guard, Brad Buddy. Center, let's go with Ryan Khalil. So, I'm the quarterback. We're going to run jumbo here. Two tight ends. One is Red Ellison. The other one is Charles Young. Now, I'm going to have a fullback on the field in Stanley Havili. I'm also going to have a running back by the name of Ricky Bell. And one wide receiver, one wide receiver, and that's Reggie Bush. Stop that offense. See, you've now played into my hands because I can just put a jumbo defense out there. Yeah, go ahead and try it. Yeah, okay, let's go. Okay, I'm going to start I'm gonna start back to front. I got two safeties on the field. Their names are Troy Palomalo and Ronnie Lott. Okay. I only need one corner. Ronnie Lott's going to have no passes to defend, but okay. Ronnie, Lott, Ronnie Lott's one of the greatest all-time players in the history of the game. I just want him on the field. I don't care what he's doing, defending passes, anything like that. You don't think Ronnie Lott could stop the run? I'm sure he could. So, I only need one corner on the field because you only have one receiver on the field. Uh, so let's go with... I'm never throwing the ball to Reggie, but okay. Go ahead. Oh, wait, do wait, do wait, what you wait. need to do. Wait, 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 wait. At corner, I am going Ronnie Lott. I, I was going to say that's the smarter move. At safety, I got Troy Palomalu and... Biggie Marshall. <laughs> that's actually not that not that bad because Biggie was a pretty good run stopper. <laughs> I got Dennis Smith in my head. I was thinking Sammy Knight would be pretty oh, bad. Oh, that would be pretty bad. That would be pretty good. Put him, put him good. at safety where he played in the NFL. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. That'd yeah. be pretty legit. All right. So I got I got Dennis Smith, Troy Palomalu, Ronnie Lott as my secondary. So that means let's let's do my defensive line. I got Leonard Williams. Oh, let's see. Okay. I I'll be one of the linebackers. Can I do the four three plus my yeah, so i I'm with you on the four four. And I'll just be like a roaming linebacker that tries to stay out of the way and doesn't die. So you got um, an extra linebacker, which is you, instead of a corner. Yes, exactly. 
Okay. Um, the other linebackers on the field will be Junior Seau, Chris Claiborne, Richard Batman Woods. Those are my three. Wood. Yeah. Wood. Wood. N- no S. Wood. On the defensive line, then, I got Leonard Williams, uh, Sean Cody, and I'll go Mike Patterson. I guess I could go BKU. Can't go wrong with BKU. All right. You're stealing a lot of my defense, but okay. Like you stole a lot of my offense. Two players. Two players. I think I'm going to gas your, your defense. You you thought that my offense couldn't run on your defense, and you think you're yeah, going to gas my defense. Yeah, because you have too defense. many receivers. You have too many receivers. I'm going to have, I'm going to be running freaking jumbo. I'm going to have a fullback, two tight ends. Yeah, I'm and just going to be able to, like, carve holes running student body left. It's going to be like 1962, baby. We're going student body left and right. We're having you, guys you out in front to You think I don't have the block. athletes on the field? To deal with your student body left and student body right, compared to what your offense is doing against my defense, no, I think I'm, I think I'm winning. I think the people listening to this will agree. Let us know. I, I think that strategically, I think that strategically, my offense is set up to succeed better than your offense. You have Mike Williams and Keyshawn Johnson for no reason when you said that you can't throw the football. I said that I don't throw but the football like, well. I don't need to the throw point the football of having well. Them on the field. Because they're going to be defended by Adoree Jackson and Sua Cravens. You got to get the ball to them for it to matter. Yeah, but you're going to be loading the box every time because you don't want me to run with Marcus Allen. Can you throw the ball 15 yards? I can throw the ball 10 yards. That's all I need. Mm, Okay. That's all I need. Those guys are jump ball specialists. I know I can't throw the ball 15 yards. And I'm... I because of that I have bought into the idea that we need to just ground and pound. I I can throw I know I can throw the ball 10 yards and worst comes to worst like I said I will do a chest pass. Like I will do like what the this people is do in be the like Dr Pepper. This is going Yeah. And in not the good way for you. Oh, it'll be awful. But 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 it'll, I'm still going to win the game. It'll be almost as bad as as your bowl of cheeses. I'm still going to win the game. I'm still going to win the game because no, you you have set up your defense in such a way that you've created my greatest weakness, which is myself. You realize you stole my defensive formation. No, I, I thought you had the right idea by making yourself the third linebacker because you can stay out of the way if you're the th- you, you can make stay out of the way if you're the fourth linebacker. Wait, you just said that I created a defense that that's going to screw up against yours. Yeah, but then but you just said that that I had the right idea. Pick, no, pick one. No, you had the, the defensive formation to beat an offense that is just jumbo running is exactly what you did. My offense is not a jumbo is is not pure jumbo running. I can actually I'm dare, get the ball and I'm daring you to throw the ball because I don't think you can throw the ball. Well, then I will prove that I can throw the ball to to Mike <laughs> Mike Williams and Keyshawn Johnson could make could make even me look like a half decent quarterback. I beg to differ. I know they could, and that's not even taking into account Juju. Beg to differ. Why you have three wide receivers is beyond me. Because you are obviously loading up against the run. I trust Marcus Allen's ability to do his thing with that offensive line, regardless mm. of, of, of anything. With no but, fullbacks. You have no yeah, fullback to block. I don't for. need a fullback. I, I'm okay. going gonna, gonna to kill you with play action. Uh, yeah. Play yeah. action to Fred Davis. Who's no, going to defend you know Fred Davis, Michael? Who's gonna, you know who on your team is going you know to defend happen? Fred Davis? Chris Claiborne. You know what's going to happen? You're going to drop it back to, for play action, and Kenichi Daisy is going to end your life. That's what's going to happen. He's going to do that by what? Beating Ron Yeri or Anthony Munoz? He could. 
Good luck okay. with that. The people will will vote for me in this because the people know that nah. I picked the better teams here. Nope. I'm 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 winning it. Let us know, people. Let us know. Send us your tweets, your text messages, your calls, your emails. Let us know. Let us know who's the better team. Uh, but let's move on. Let's go to a tweet we got from LJ. I have been watching some of the spring sports championships, and USC is not present very much. Are we failing at all sports? Also, despite UCLA winning the softball championship, Pac-12 is not doing well either. Conference of champions, are we still a Power 5 conference? Uh, I mean, yes. The short answer is yes, the Pac-12 is still a Power 5 conference. Uh, I don't know. I think that USC is still winning national titles out there. Like, women's women's beach volleyball w- w- won a national title. Um, water polo has been good historically. Uh, tennis is pretty good. I think golf is pretty good. Like, you know, there are still areas where USC is thriving athletically. Uh, I, I, I don't... I don't... Okay, am I wrong about this, Michael? I don't care enough about baseball to judge the Pac-12 for not having a team. Like, USC baseball should be better than it is. That much. That's what much I'm sure of. But is this like a failing of the Pac-12 that UCLA baseball didn't make it to the end? I, I think any of these things in its own um, sports is not a crime. I think collectively all these things look bad on the Pac-12. But I also like... The, the Pac-12 has dominated so many sports for so long that it seems ridiculous to me to, like, look at it this season and be like, well, what the hell's going on? Like, yeah, we know that the football and basketball stuff has not been there, but there's no reason to doubt the Pac-12 in literally any other sport outside of hockey. Yeah, they're not in the College World Series, but I'm... Hmm, shrug. I, I, I don't care. And... I I know I'm going to turn people off by saying this. I don't think it's Larry Scott's fault. Like the Pac-12 has had has been so good in a million sports that you think that Larry Scott is is polluting all these coaches, all these great coaches all at once to be bad all of a sudden? No, like you, you want to know why SC went 5 and 7 last year because of SC, not because of Larry Scott. Why why is SC basketball bad? Because of decisions that SC makes, not because of Larry Scott. Why is USC basketball, you know, underwhelming? Because of decisions that USC makes, not because of Larry Scott. Well, the the ultimate argument there, too, if you want to have the Larry Scott discussion, is UCLA went out and threw, up, threw around a, a ton of cash to get Chip Kelly. And they right. still went three and nine. Right. Like, it's not like UCLA didn't have the money to go out and get the top candidate that they were capable of getting. Right. Yeah. And I don't know. Shrug, it, it sucks for the PAC 12. I, I just think that these things are cyclical and five years from now, uh, we could be on the complete other spectrum of this, this stuff and no one will ever remember this. And I'd like to make it clear that I'm not pro Larry Scott. And I think that the PAC 12 should move on and get a new commissioner because screw that. But forever a full believer that it doesn't matter who the commissioner is as long as it's the same mentality that the PAC 12, well, the PAC 12 CEOs and the, yeah. and, the, and the 
and presidents have. And as long as they, as long as it stays, it doesn't matter who the, who the the um the commissioner is. Well, that's the, um, that's a good point because the commissioner is the voice of like he serves at their he at, yeah at the, at the they're pleasure, back and call right yeah, at the back like, and call of the presidents. So. There's a reason he says he's doing a good job. You know why? Well, and they agreed to pay him as much as they pay him. So you know, right. I'm not the biggest Larry Scott fan in any sense of the imagination. I just, I don't know. It's a beaten horse, I think. Uh, but let's go to a voicemail from Michael in Idaho. Hey, y'all. This is Michael in the wilds of Boise, Idaho. Uh, from my perception of the college baseball world, at least from out yonder here in Idaho, is things seem to be badly askew here. Uh, I'm listening to UCLA and Michigan. Uh, UCLA just tied it up on a home run. And I hear, A, no reference to Cal State Fullerton. Sorry, guys, in this instance, i got to prioritize them over USC since that's my alma mater. And secondly, I hear no references to USC. What's all, what are all these good players doing going to UCLA? Heck, we should have rounded them up, or you guys should have rounded them up. Anyway, it's scary thinking UCLA may be in the um, uh, College World Series. God, what else is going to go wrong? Anyway, it's still a good year. Uh, football recruiting is better, so fight on. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for the call, as always, Michael. Yeah, UCLA ended up losing at the end uh, to Michigan, and you're spot on. There's no reason for SC not to be much better in baseball. It is absolutely embarrassing. There is nothing in this athletic department that is more embarrassing than USC baseball's demise. It, it, I... I put this on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. If you would have told me 20 years ago, if you'd have told 10 year old Michael that SC was going to go like two decades without a title and, you know, almost that long without a PAC 12 title, I would have laughed at you so hard because it would have just been unfathomable for, for the SC baseball team that I watched growing up. And I was a huge freaking SC baseball fan. I'd go to a bunch of games. I'd listen to them on the radio. I I was entrenched. Like, I was a huge, huge, huge fan. And to think that now, heck, I can't even name one player. And who can? Like, because this, this team has fallen off so much that they, they've lost the fan base. They've lost their way. They've lost everything. It's they they won twelve national championships. They are the UC they are to to baseball what UCLA basketball is, and that they won all these championships forever ago. Except UCLA still has had moments in the not so distant past where they've gone to a Final Four. SC hasn't been to a College World Series in freaking forever. That's an embarrassment. Well, and it's really about uh, it's about USC's ambition with the program. Like, how long did they keep uh, what's his face Hubs? Dan Hubs around. Like, wh- he should have never been hired because he was an internal guy. Um, they knew that what they were going to get when they got rid of Frank Cruz. Um, he wasn't. There was nothing. There was none. There were there weren't any good reasons to bring on Dan Hubs. He did take them to the tournament that one year. But after that, SC has not had a winning season. That was four years ago. There was no need to keep bringing him back year after year. It's interesting that you bring up uh, UCLA because I, I think there is a, a parallel there 
in the term in in terms of how UCLA persisted with Steve Alford for much longer than they should have. And in fact, hiring him in the first place always felt to me like they were punching below their he weight. He still made sweet 16s. Right. Right. So it's even worse. It's even like UC- UCLA was settling for less. SC's he- not had a winning record in four years. Exactly. So USC is even even further settling for mediocrity in that program. And it's all it all comes down to the decision makers at USC deciding that it was okay. That they were going to persist with the wrong person for that long. Like, it, it comes down to how much do you care? How seriously do you take things? Like, you know, USC football is in a, is in a bad way right now. But you better believe that they won't hold on to Clay Hilton that much longer if he, if he uh, underachieves again for a second year in the row. So why are you letting baseball and and I would argue basketball underachieve the way that they are? It, it all comes down to ambition because USC lacks ambition is in those. And with basketball, at least you understand it because USC's never been the basketball school. But baseball, USC should have the ambition of knowing what they've achieved in the past and and knowing that they have that historic legacy that they can always fall back on. Who it, even remembers the legacy at this point? I mean, like, I, I I didn't experience it. That for, that's for sure. In the sense of, you know, we, we talk about these recruits coming into SC that still talk about Reggie Bush when the reality is they were five years old when Reggie Bush played. Um, but there's nobody alive in USC's recruiting class for baseball that was there when when Jason Lane set the College World Series record for RBIs in a College World Series. Nobody. Nobody knows who Jack Krawchuk is. Nobody knows Wes Rachels or any of those guys. Barry Zito, Mark Pryor, like nobody knows those guys outside of what they've done maybe as in the big leagues. It's it's a shame. It is absolutely a shame. It is embarrassing. So I'm right there with you. Uh, let's go to a question we got from Coach Leach. Uh, I don't think that it's the Coach Leach, right? It's not the... The Mike Leach. No, somehow I, I doubt that uh, Mike Leach is asking us about USC baseball. Yeah, I don't. I, I think he'd be you know looking up Civil War history or something at this point. Uh, anyways, Coach Leach says, "Is the admin looking at Oregon State? Oregon State's baseball coach? And we have seven guys drafted and can't finish over five hundred. I don't know what the the coaching search is, it, where it's going. Um, go follow Shotgun Sprantley on Twitter and everywhere that he writes because he is going to be the expert here." Uh, I don't want to lead you astray in, you know, speculating in this kind of stuff. But yeah, go hire someone who has proven success like Pat Casey out of Oregon State. Well, show some ambition. Yeah, show, show throw, some ambition. Throw your weight around. Go, go to the Oregon State head coach and say, listen, you can bring USC back to glory. We'll give you all the resources you need. You got, you, you, you know, we, we are going to invest in you and making this program great again, you know, like. But you, right. you gotta you gotta reach out and do did that. Did you say make USC great again? I did. I did. Oh God. <laughs> All right, let's go to a tweet we got from uh, Kenneth Martin from Traveler H Thursdays with Game of Thrones, Avengers Endgame, the NBA, and Stanley Cup Finals being over. Uh, dude, what are you talking about? Game seven is on Wednesday uh, for the hockey, and Game six is on Thursday for the hoops. Shirty hoops. Uh, but Kenny says, what's the next big thing you're looking forward to before the start of the football season? I'm assuming it's the Women's World Cup. 
But you can skip that because I know how some fans get about soccer talk. I'm going to do it anyways. I'm excited for the Women's World Cup. I, I, I watched, uh, I, I went on a, I was on a backpacking trip on Friday and Saturday, so I didn't get to watch any of the games then, but I got to watch some of the games on, on Sunday. And I was reminded about how much I love, like, I can't, I generally can't watch women's sports. Generally, it just doesn't do it for me. It's like it's like being an EPL fan and then trying to watch the MLS. Like, just you know, uh, women's basketball feels like that to me. But women's soccer, it doesn't feel like it is its own. This, this is self-hating, Alicia, guys. This you is, guys are getting a good taste of it right here. This, this is women's basketball just doesn't do I, I appreciate what what the women do. I just can't enjoy it. The same way that I appreciate that the guys who play in MLS are trying their best, but I just can't enjoy it. I can't watch it. It doesn't do it for me. Women's soccer is the one exception to that rule. Women's soccer is legitimately great on its own merits. It is Soccer is the great equalizer when it comes to um, athleticism in a lot of ways, because if you just put you know, you you put people on that field and the technical gifts that that they have are going to shine through. I find the women's soccer to be a fascinating game in its own right, and I freaking love it. So yes, I'm super excited about uh, that. Also, the Copa America is coming up, so I'll watch some of that. Oh, I am not looking forward to that. We just lost the freaking Venezuela. Oh no, I I don't want to pay attention to USA soccer. I'm not excited to see oh, wait, USA you said soccer. Copa America, not Gold Cup. Sorry. No, no, I said Copa America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. I'll watch I'm the Gold idiot. Cup too, but yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm just sort of holding my breath and waiting for how much how cringe it's going to be with USA soccer. Oh, can, but that's the I, other thing is that the USA women are great, so it's fun to watch them too. Can I get your take on the Gold Cup final being the same day as the as the World Cup final? What a freaking joke. What a freaking joke. Like what just the, I, the the people who plan these things are so dumb. Okay, I I think it's incredibly lame to be upset about it. It's I, I'm not upset the about it. I just think that it's the, stupid. That the Gold Cup who no one gives a damn about outside of Mexico that the Gold Cup is going to overshadow the the Women's World Cup final is asinine. Wait, is that me. why is that why people are upset about it? No, I'm upset about it from the Gold Cup perspective of why. If you're the Gold Cup, why would you set that on the date of the? No, people are upset that 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 you know you're not giving the women their day kind of thing. Which I understand that in all other cases, but to me, putting the the games on the same day. First of all, they're not even going to be at the same time. So they're not going to compete against each other. It's a whole day celebrating soccer that's great. And the Gold Cup is so insignificant. Yeah, for me, it's to, the Gold the Cup, Cup side. Of- I, can't, I don't see on what planet outside of Mexico is anyone going to care more about the Gold Cup than, than the Women's World Cup. Nobody's going to care, especially when Mexico beats up on like Guatemala in the final because the U.S. got eliminated in the group stage. Like, no one's going to care. I don't see what the big deal is. Yeah, but that's why I don't. I'm not looking at it from the perspective of the women's World Cup is getting shortchanged here. I think the Gold Cup is getting shortchanged there. Like, what the hell are you well, doing? You scheduling really are it? self-hating. No, because the women's World Cup is obviously going to be the bigger draw on that day. I agree. I agree. I, I agree. think the Gold Cup is stupid. By t- by the Gold Cup lost their ability to be a featured thing on 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 another day. Well, I would also argue that the no one's gonna watch the gold the gold this cup's is never going to be a featured thing unless they right, invite brazil back for instance like this is like the pac-12 saying let's hold our pac-12 championship game at five o'clock on the on the saturday the last saturday of the season 
right up against the SEC championship game and then wonder why they lose in the lose in the ratings. I know that the, they're not up against each other in ratings with Gold Cup and, and, and this, but it's the same kind of idea. There's a reason the Pac-12 plays its championship game on the Friday because they want to have their moment. So the Gold Cup should have done it on the Friday. This is totally in the category of things that I don't think that are worth getting ruffled feathers about. But anyways, uh, to answer Kenny's question for me, um, it's not the Women's World Cup. I'm not super thrilled about it. Um, maybe the the start of, of the, the, the Prem, but even that's sad. No, like, no, no Hazard for, for Chelsea. Um, mm. You're not excited Pulisic? for the Super Cup? Pulisic will be there. The Super Cup will be fun on, on August 14th. Outside of that, just give me college football. And the rest of the baseball season, that's it. Uh, let's get a tweet, though, from L.A. Fred to finish this up. With Michael finally finishing Breaking Bad, what are each of your favorite slash best TV shows, TV series that you have ever watched? Your top five. They need to have been concluded. Oh, this is good. This is really good. Hmm. Um, top five. Game of Thrones. Definitely in is there. Is number one? Or... Do I have no, to order put, them? Do, do, put I'm, them in order, yeah. I'm, oh, shoot. Number one, Firefly. Number two. Oh, please. Veronica Mars. It didn't conclude. It can't count. It it literally had a, had a movie to conclude it. It's not ongoing. It's over. Okay. Veronica Mars. Technically, Veronica Mars is not, it's coming back with a new season, so that's actually not true. I can't. I can't. I can no longer include it. Yeah, I'll throw Game of Thrones. I'll throw Game of Thrones on there. Castle, Alias, and Community. <sighs> this is terrible. Uh, I'm not including uh, sitcoms because I think they're completely different. I don't think they should be on here. Um, so we're oh, going strictly Black. dramas. I Sorry. never finished Orphan Black. I, oh, I I'm in the middle of. It. I got to the middle of season five. I never finished. I don't think you finished it either. I didn't either. No. I'm I'm I, I all that suspense and I just never finished it. Well, because I get to I get to the point where I don't want to end things, so then I don't actually finish them. <laughs> so the Wait, possibility I, I of, cannot I cannot rationalize that at all. Like no? explain that where like I don't like you don't want them to end. I yeah. can understand not wanting things to end because you'll be sad that it's over, but I can't imagine actually not watching it at that point. No, because like once I watch it, then it's actually over, over. Where now I can live with the possibility of like I'll get to enjoy the ending of Orphan Black eventually. I'm weird. I know. Mm. I, I'm not trying to rationalize this. I, I acknowledge that I'm. Strange. All right. So I I've made my list. I have seven. Number seven is Six Feet Under, which I feel like is underrated here. Um, number six, The Sopranos. Number five is Game of Thrones. It would have been higher, but the last season kind of, the last two seasons kind of dropped it. See, for but me that's there. where I don't judge. I I don't judge shows on their bad seasons because every show that I've ever loved has ended horribly, which is why Firefly is number one because it didn't. It sounds like you keep picking the wrong shows. Then <laughs> uh, number four, Fargo. Fargo is still going to come back for another season, I I believe, um, in a couple years. But it's anthology, so I think you can add it here. Um, number three, The Americans. Number two, and this is a show that's not done because, and I haven't even watched it all, uh, True Detective. But it's got to be done. I've, that was part of the stipulation of the question. But, but this is another anthology, so I think it's a little bit different. 
Um, True Detective. I've seen season one. That's all I need to see. Season one is the best thing, best season of TV I've ever seen in my life. Nothing ever comes close. Everyone says season two sucked and that season three is great. I haven't seen season two or three, but season one was so damn good that it's number two on my list. And number one is Breaking Bad. I thought it was that good. It's the only thing that, that sniffs the, the level of True Detective and it did it for five seasons, which is why I have it number one. The ending was fantastic. The whole final season was incredible. Breaking Bad's number one for me. And I I didn't think it was going to be there. Like I, I've heard so much of the hype about Breaking Bad. I didn't think that it was actually going to live up to the hype. It did. I, I think Ozymandias, Ozymandias, I'm probably saying that wrong. I don't think that episode lived up to the hype. But I think collectively the series absolutely did. And, and then some for me. So that's what I got. I'll take your word for it. You know, you can start watching The Americans or Fargo or Six Feet Under or True Detective or Breaking Bad because you've never seen any of these and it's very upsetting. You need to just do it. (sighs) Anyways, that's a wrap of this episode. It's been long. It's after midnight now and at least he's grumpy. Uh, (laughs) I may not be conscious for much longer. I'm not going to lie. All right, we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, As always, send us your emails, randofdroitfansider.com. Send us your, your questions. Your inquiries, your ad inquiries, anything you want to send us, send us there. Phone number 213-373-1872. We're on Twitter at Reign of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure now is the time to send us whose team would win in a battle. Um, And then also let us know, would you be okay with a 10-point win over Fresno State in Would, Season 1. Will USC fans be satisfied with a 10-point yes. win will over Fresno State? Will you be satisfied State? with a 10-point win over Fresno State? Not just will you be satisfied. Will USC fans as a collective fan base Well, be if they satisfied? are listening to this, there probably are USC fans. But if they are USC fans, they, they're they bots, which means they're, they are uh, the good side of USC fans, but they all know what wow, USC is like. that's very egotistical. No, our audience is wonderful, Michael. We love. Them. I love our audience too. I, yeah. I have a lot of. But our audience in, in also our audience, has to sure. know what the USC fan base is like a lot of the time. Even if they themselves are not the crazy ones, they know those people. So think about wow. what they're gonna have to. Self righteous. You as a fan, your crazy, uh, your crazy USC fan friends who are off the wall. Like, think about their reaction to the Fresno State game. Let us know. Send us your thoughts. But uh, at least they give us a final word. The final word is sleep, as in I'm going to sleep now. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta sleep too. See ya. See ya. See ya. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.